Ah, yes, friends, on a Thursday, it's OGP, the one giant podcast where we are your host here, the ghost of Christmas past, Adam Armbrecht, also covering the Locked On Nets podcast, Brooklyn, big game tonight on tap, over there, the healthy, wealthy, and wise season generation ticket holder for Big Blue, Mr. Andrew McElwain's. Oh, Adam, it feels like even though this is the NFL offseason, it's just NFL just dominates the headlines. Like you have the, the Russell Wilson trade. You have Aaron Rodgers saying that he's coming back. You've, and, 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 you know, you're usually not used to trades in the NFL. It seems like the superstars, it's impossible to trade them because of all the salary cap stuff. But man, we got another one yesterday, didn't we? Like, that's crazy. Sure. You want to call Carson Wentz a superstar? We can throw him into that category. We're going to get into uh, that trade, how it impacts the New York football giants and what they'll look to do here. As you said yesterday, solo show broke down Russell Wilson. And it's funny because it really is just another layer to things that can impact what the New York football giants want to do here. Going to talk Mitch Trubisky, going to talk about offensive line as well. But right off the top, a couple of things around the New York football giants. First, Eli Penny, we know, been with the team for a number of years now, started to transition to running back this past season a little bit more. He's going to the free agent market, will not be returning to the giants, and will look to catch on with another team as officially an NFL running back. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe he's going to try his luck at being a running back, but the, but the Giants themselves basically said, you know what, we're not in the fullback business anymore, and it's not really a polarizing thing, but you know, more and more offenses are just getting away from having a pure fullback in the backfield. You look at like San Francisco having Kyle Juszczyk and other teams using kind of like that hybrid halfback style mm-hmm. thing because that opens up a little, a few more dimensions in the passing game and gives you different looks and schemes. So the fullback is kind of like this, this uh, you know, ex- on the brink of extinction. The Giants are moving in a different direction. I'm hoping that that makes the offense a little bit more exciting. Anytime I hear news that they're trying to get with the new time and changing things around to like, get new schemes and be innovative, I am all for it, Adam. Oh, sure. Yeah, and listen, you expect this kind of stuff on the back end of the roster, rolling over, looking to bring in new pieces. We've seen the... The Giants obviously bring in running backs with ties to the Buffalo Bills, so not not a shock here. And all the best to Eli Penny. I've I've always liked him. Uh, we know there was a, there was a taunting penalty that may be the lasting memory, one of the final moments that he has in New York Football Giant. But overall, really just a, a player that I was always a fan of. And to your point, if not for the extinction of the position, I I not that I would want him back, but I think we would have looked at him more fondly. It's just you're in the wrong era. You should have played in the '80s if you wanted to really establish yourself. Uh, on the uh, other specific roster notes here. We talked a lot about James Bradbury and what's going to go on here. He's a potential trade candidate. He's a potential cut candidate for Joe Shane and the Giants as they look to free up cap space. Uh, but one Adoree Jackson did come out and speak on what it would look like or what it would feel like for him were they to move on from James Bradbury this offseason. Knowing him as a person, knowing him as a player, seeing things that he can do. I'd love to have him back there in the secondary, getting the rock and getting it going, Adoree said, of James Bradbury. The real question I want to pose, you wouldn't expect anything different. Adoree Jackson, a younger player in the league. Bradbury, a very well-respected uh, cornerback in the league, veteran both on the field and in the locker room. We know it's not necessarily a scheme fit. But what I wanted to ask you was, is there a point, not unlike with Saquon Barkley we've talked about before, If the market doesn't develop, if someone is offering you a fourth round pick for James Bradbury, and some reports have said Bradbury would be willing to look at his contract again to stay with Big Blue, is there a threshold where you say, you know what, at the right price point, if we can reconstruct you here, 
it might, it might, we might be okay with keeping James Bradbury going into this season. It's not that he isn't talented. It's a matter of scheme fit. Maybe it's going to be a role reduction, but if he wanted to be here and you couldn't get the third rounder in the upcoming draft, would you be willing to keep Bradbury? Of course I would. I mean, it's, it's a smart, it's a smart, me, it's, it's a smart answer, my friend. It, it is. It has, to, it has to be the answer because Adam, we talk about it all the time. When you lose a talent like Bradbury, you have to replace it somehow, some way, right? We don't have, while you may like Rodarius Williams, he's coming off an ACL injury, not sure how he's going to look. I'm excited about him, but who knows? Aaron Robinson showed flashes, but he was also a little bit in and out of the lineup. You have Darnay Holmes, who's been like a slot cornerback in and out of the lineup. Is he a guy that you can rely on full-time? There are a lot of question marks outside of James Bradbury and Adoree Jackson. Or you can tell me, that we could keep James Bradbury at a lower cap number that is more cost friendly for the team. You're telling me that we have a, you know, a baseline between a Dory Jackson, and James Bradbury that we know is going to be at least competent in the league. And you don't have to go either spend free agent dollars on someone to replace him or a premium pick like the number seven pick in the draft going after someone like sauce Gardner. You can use that at different places and deploy the assets. So for me, it's like moving the chess pieces around on the chessboard. If you want to keep James Bradbury, that probably means Sauce Gardner is not there at seven, but it means, hey, maybe we can go with an edge rusher or an offensive yep. tackle or a linebacker. It gives the team much more flexibility at the top of the draft. Yeah, and we all and we may like Sauce Gardner and think he's a, he's a quality pick there, but to your point, when we've been talking about a lot now is you just don't want to get put into this spot where you feel like we need to go draft a particular player at five or seven, as opposed to creating the opportunities to be flexible, to be able to take trade down offers if they come and pick the best player that fills a need on this team. So it's an interesting aspect to it. Um, one last piece on it. Would you, would you want the uh, simply a reduction? Because the, the real reason why I think the Giants should explore this or at least be open to it is because remember, if the market doesn't develop for Bradbury, you're talking about $9 million in dead cap, freeing up $12 million in cap space. The $12 million is nice, but if you're Joe Shane and you're just examining, you know, again, this dead cap number is, a, is just under $10 million right now for them. All of a sudden, that takes a big jump, and we're, we're getting into $20 and $30 million of dead cap potentially being accrued in this offseason. Would you be into simply a contract salary reduction, or would you tack on an extra year and spread that money out? I wouldn't tack on extra years. And I think Joe Shane is doing this the right way. He keeps saying restructuring is a last resort, pushing money down next year, down the hill, down the street, worry about it later. Joe Shane is not his style. He likes to clean up messes as quickly as possible and say, we're going to work with what we have because I don't want to, hinder myself later when there's an opportunity to go get a guy that could be a game changer, go get a step on digs from, from, you know, the Minnesota Vikings as the one piece that we need, we need sure. to complete this roster in Buffalo. Like I like that style as much as I like James Bradbury. I don't want to extend and move money and move 5 million down the street next year. We have a ton of cap space next year. We are not going to be a very good football team this year. Take all the cap hits, dead cap stuff this year work with the roster that you have and come out fresh in a year and feel like you've been unshackled from the Dave Gettleman regime. Sure. And not everything gets lumped. Just in, It's not all front loaded in terms of dead cap money, but this is actually why though. I think while I would be, I would be happy and interested in keeping James Bradbury. This is why I think you could see the giants maybe take a reduced asset. If the market does not develop for him, because again, 
you want to trade him if at all possible before you outright release him. So there is a game of chicken getting played here between the Giants and NFL teams that are interested in Bradbury's services, a fine line that Joe Shane is going to have to make a decision on. Be interesting to see, right? We talked about it being a third, it looks like, but what if it is a four and a six? Or what if it's a four this year and something in next year's draft as well? Going to have to have Joe Shane have some flexibility there if he wants to stick to that premise you said. Not looking to extend contracts and keep money on the books down the road. The next piece then, as we had talked about Russell Wilson yesterday and the trade, obviously the buzz started to happen here around uh, Jordan Love in Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers also stayed there. There's speculation. He's still young. Teams are going to look at him in the spectrum of NFL quarterbacks in this draft class and say, maybe there's an opportunity. We would go to look, take a look at him and bring him in, knowing now that Aaron Rodgers is going to be there long term. In addition to that, though, the Carson Wentz saga continues. Traded from Philadelphia to the Colts for a haul, now traded to the Washington Commanders for a relatively big haul. The contract, uh, the contract, the uh, trade that went down essentially consists of, as we'll get it up here underneath, Washington sending a second and third round pick, a 2023 third round pick as well, that can become a two if Wentz plays 70% of the snaps. Washington did receive a 2022 second round pick, so they swapped picks in the second round this year in the exchange. Some additional information coming out early today. There could be a seventh rounder involved here and some other little ancillary pieces. Just initially, before we talk about the impact on the New York football giants, are you surprised that, that Carson Wentz, is still some level of commodity here because he went to the Colts with Frank Reich. It did not pan out. And yet this is, this is the trickle. These are the domino effects. The Washington commanders reached out about Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, no trade clause said, no, you will not be trading me there. And they had to move on to their secondary option. This looks like the stopgap they chose to go with. So Adam, do you, do you think Vegas is smart? Like, would you say that, that they like, like, are, are they, are they dumb? Are they smart? Do they know what they're doing? Do they not know what they're doing? Like, what's your you know thought on, on Vegas as a whole? They seem to have a sense of it. I've generally noticed that when lines move on predictable, uh, you know, predictable scenarios around sports, they tend to be right more often than not. Great. Okay. So the, the Washington commander's chance to win the Super Bowl started at 60 to one. I like that. They go up and they make a bold move and they trade for Carson Wentz, right? Bold. So what does Vegas say the odds are right now of the command school? 60 to 1. 75 to 1. Yeah, baby. It got worse. (laughs) (laughs) What? Name me another team in the NFL that trades two second-round picks, takes on a contract, a three-year, roughly $25 million a year, contract of someone like Carson Wentz goes and gets a quarterback and their and their odds get worse to win the championship about that it's absolutely insane I mean and to me I mean listen it's about the the play certainly of of uh, Carson Wentz maybe it was the predictability around who they were going to look to bring in there right so they made the wrong choice could have tried to get Russell Wilson couldn't could have maybe tried for Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't right so that could pivot as well and then also probably though the assets you can predict that the team is not going to get as good around Carson Wentz or better because they don't have as many assets as they did but a moment ago that is insane man that's a big drop too I mean that's a that's a it's sizable huge. drop. Did the uh, I'll, I'm going to start to get into some of this other information here. Did the Colts odds go up after trading? That'd be a very interesting piece. If the Colts chances to win 
went up following the trade of Carson Wentz. See if I, you can track those down. I, I, I will take a look. I think it actually remained even. So, like for them, there, like, yeah, yeah, that neutral. Like, we 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 literally don't have a starting quarterback today, and we still have the same odds as if we had Carson Wentz. And and it's fascinating to me, Adam. And and to your point, it's it's about the assets they gave up. It's about the promise of bringing in any other quarterback was the reason why the the commanders were hovering at that at that number. It's crazy to me. Like Carson Wentz had 27 touchdowns, I think seven interceptions last year. His just stats off the top. If you just looked at it on a spreadsheet, you'd be like, oh, pretty good. And then like he was throwing under 200 yards a game in half his games over the course of the year. He made a ton of terrible boneheaded mistakes. And the team felt like he was not the guy leading them. And the commanders are like, we are so desperate to, to upgrade over Taylor Heineke that we think an upgrade is Carson Wentz. And if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're an Eagles fan and you're a Giants fan, you have to be very excited with like the bold move the commanders could have made. They end up with Carson Wentz back in the NFC East. Listen, out of the scenarios of getting Russell Wilson in the division or Carson Wentz will obviously take it, but I'm not putting anything of expectations on there. We've seen the Giants. They struggle. Heineke has had big games. A uh, quick footnote was Frank Wright apparently went to Jim Irsay and said, I effed up essentially. Like he had to go in hat in hand and acknowledge that he made a big mistake around telling Jim Irsay, let's go get Carson Wentz. We can get this done with him and committing to him for the second year and ultimately having to say, whoops, a doozy. I'm trying to save my job now. Even, even worse. Like, you know, you saw the the postseason comments by the Colts being like, who knows who our quarterback's going to be. Could be, well, who knows? Um, well, Carson Wentz clearly realized the writing was on the wall. In the, in the last couple of weeks, he requested a meeting with owner Jim Ursay to clear the air, apologize, and talk about how much better he'll be in the upcoming season. And Jim Ursay said, thanks, but no thanks. I have no interest in speaking with you. And then he gets shipped out. So, like, man, talk about I the fall of grace. I tell you what, though, man, when he when he was moved from Philadelphia to Indianapolis, the, the the problems that were listed beyond the things on the field had some health concerns. We get that. And you, and you could, you know, whatever his, the, the quality of his play could be. It was about in the locker room, not, you know, not being a leader at the quarterback position, all those things. So when you try to go to the owner and say, let, let me just flesh out here why I was maybe the exact same version of person, not even about player on the field the personality and the leadership in the locker room. Let me explain to you why that didn't work out these last couple of years. I get why Ursa is like, sorry, bud. Like this was the second chance. It just happened. You missed it. You're not, this isn't what you said to me when we brought you in. This is what you're saying to me when you're about to go to Washington, where you feel like your chances to compete and win are much lower because the Colts are a team very capable of winning right now. And that does bring us to then the other piece of this. So, what is the impact that comes away from this trade by the Colts and Washington for the New York football giants? The immediate speculation now is as the connection between Mitch Trubisky and obviously the New York football giants remains at large, as there's been speculation that the Pittsburgh Steelers could want to be involved in him, that teams are looking at Trubisky as being a starting quarterback for them this year. You also have now the Colts. Suggestions are they could pivot right to Trubisky to bring him in a guy that doesn't make a lot of mistakes for you. Isn't the big wow factor that you want at the position, but maybe with the strength of their team could be the perfect candidate to see if they can get a little bit of a winning window here in the playoffs. Uh, initial thoughts on, on how this, this thing keeps evolving and swirling and the giants involvement before I get to a Daniel Jones question. It's insane to me when you think about the commanders going and trading basically two second round picks for Carson Wentz. 
when someone like Jameis Winston is going to be a free agent and is on the open market. Like if you're going to make a splash and you're going to pay a premium at the quarterback position, why give up two second rounders when you could just go get Jameis Winston, who I think is better than Carson Wentz. Like to me, there's they could have gone and signed Mitch Trubisky. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's so, so many different ways they, they yeah. could go. If I'm the Colts, I don't look at Mitch Trubisky to be honest with you, because how, like how much better is Mitch Trubisky than Carson Wentz? I, I don't know, maybe slightly like, and you're going to pay him $15 million. If he's going to be your starting quarterback, like you're going to have to pay him starting quarterback money. Sure. I, I would think that if you're the Colts and you're in win now mode, you, you get it. You got to push all your chips into the center of the table and like go pay up for a guy that you think can lead you. Not that can't blow the game in the middle of the game. Jimmy like Garoppolo, you're thinking there. You, yeah. Or, uh, you know, there's rumors that Matt Ryan might, might be someone sure, that they sure. would go looking and get after be like, we could get two good years out of Matt Ryan. We know he's a, you know, he's been a former MVP. That's the type of, of level of quarterback. You know, Mitch Trubisky's name is being tossed around quite a bit now. Talk about what a reclamation project. Signs signs a one year, three million dollar deal to back up Josh Allen. I think sometimes people think that it was jo- like Mitch Trubisky throwing the ball in some of those blowout games. It was actually Josh Allen that was doing it. Um, I like Mitch Trubisky. I think he's a perfect guy to bring in and compete with Daniel Jones. Now, with the price tag it's going to take to be able to sign Mitch with all these openings around the league, you're really kind of signaling that Mitch would be the starter if if you brought him in, which to me, I'm starting to get a little wary of how much money it's going to cost on a one-year deal to to bring in Mitch. When again, we have different guys like, yeah, yeah, right. But when now we have even guys like Marcus Mariota, who is going to be a free agent, just made three and a half million dollars a year has a higher passer rating than Daniel Jones has ever had in any year of his career. The point is like, if you're, if you're not going to go top of the line or and reset this, and you're just looking for a competent guy to keep the ship going, there's plenty of guys out there that you could get. Is Mitch Trubisky 10 to $15 million a year more than Marcus Mariota right now? I don't know. And I don't think anyone else really does. No, but so here's the interesting thing. Remember, when the offseason started, three to seven million was the market that was predicted for Mitch Trubisky. A lot of things are happening here now. I mentioned at the top there, Jordan Love. Like now, all of the sudden, all of these players are getting thrown into this pool of what is our best short, long term option here? So some teams like the Colts, to your point, is Mitch Trubisky really a viable option for them if they're in win now mode? Maybe not. Matt Ryan would make a ton of sense for them if they could pivot those assets to bring him in. But other teams, you're still going to have the Pittsburgh Steelers who feel like, listen, Ben Roethlisberger was a shell of himself last season. Who can we bring in the door to steady the ship? Like I think a lot of teams would look at a Mitch Trubisky and say, we know what it was in Chicago, but here's a guy that if we think we have a solid defense, if we're, if we're the Colts and we have Jonathan Taylor in the backfield and we have some young wide receiver weapons, like there's opportunities here to be able to win now. So my first thing, just on the Mariota piece, again, if the Giants are deep in these conversations, if they're considered to be a top candidate to land Trubisky, they're not looking at a guy just to hold things steady here. They believe he's good enough to help them be a three-year bridge quarterback to the future that they'll draft over the next couple of seasons and that he is a guy that can get them wins here, whereas Mariota would be the one-year stopgap player, come in, push Daniel Jones, but ultimately your goal is to have Daniel Jones come out as the starter going into the season. My my question now is, one, and I've already said this several times here, if you're this deep into the Mitch Trubisky conversations, the Giants are already ready to move off of Daniel Jones. So... You have to look at what the value is. Shout out to uh, Lawrence Owen of Colts Law, covers the Indianapolis Colts. A lot of fans were saying, 
what's the possibility here? He asked, what would the Giants want for Daniel Jones potentially in a trade? If you're the Colts or any of these teams, you can say, hey, take a look at him, bring him into camp, put him behind a quality offensive line, put him around with some real weapons there, right? You know the Colts are a far better team than the New York football Giants currently. And I started to say, listen, I, I don't know when you look at it, still just 24 years old, he came out as a prospect in the draft. He'd be behind a Malik Willis. He'd be a little bit behind a Kenny Pickett, but the same age as Kenny Pickett right now. But he'd be a better prospect than Ritter, than Strong, and some of those other candidates there. So if you're the Colts and you're considering the idea of spending a first-round pick on a rookie NFL quarterback this year, maybe it wouldn't be so much to say we'd like a third-rounder this year and maybe a third-rounder next year. That converts up if Daniel Jones is re-signed to a contract. I don't know exactly how that market's going to play itself out, but at this stage... The Giants have to consider what are the viable options to move off of Daniel Jones here, especially if you get an asset. There may be no better value point for Daniel Jones' career than right now because next year, better crop of quarterbacks coming out. Next year, maybe more veterans are going to be available here. I, I, I think if you're considering having Mitch Trubisky be your starter or paying him 10 to $15 million, then you also have to be considering moving off of Daniel Jones if someone's willing to give you an asset. What is your floor to make a move like that? First of all, think of this, like what, what world are we in that $28 million Carson Wentz is worth more than a $7 million Daniel Jones right now? Like I, I think Daniel Jones is better than Carson Wentz today. Like I, I just, I do. And may, maybe that's controversial. I don't really think it is, but, but I apples also apples, right? Neither one of them is more, uh, you could say Carson Wentz at points in his career has certainly performed better than Daniel yes. Jones, but he's older. And to your point, the price tag, right? We're talking about he's making if $28 I million dollars money, this year. Yeah. yeah. And again, he's, and that's my point. Like if you can spend a quarter of the money and bring it for, for say just for two third round picks for $8 million, we're going to take a look at Daniel Jones. And if it doesn't work out, we still have our first round picks to go get a quarterback next year, right? You gave up a lot. If you're Washington to bring in Carson Wentz, you gave up a lot when you were the Colts to bring in Carson Wentz. But wouldn't that concern you a little bit, though, as a Giants fan, before you even talk about like what the value is of Daniel Jones, if the Colts who are in win now mode are like, we have an offensive line that can protect Daniel Jones. We think if we could protect Daniel Jones, he could be a top 15, top 20 quarterback in this league. Like we have a running game. We have an offensive line. He could thrive here. Like, wouldn't you be like, well, that's what we're trying to build in New York. Like Daniel, we've never given Daniel Jones that opportunity. Teams that have that opportunity are saying, yes, he could flourish in this system. They're talking about, you know, the New Orleans Saints potentially looking at him. Yep. They're talking about the Colts looking at him. He's starting to garner interest on the open market from teams that are more ready, more capable, more like stable on, on their mm -hmm. offense because they think Daniel Jones can help. That that just screams an indictment to the Giants over the last couple of years that to John Mara's point. They've done everything to break this guy and, and and not give him an opportunity to succeed. So to me, if teams are off, willing to offer like two second round picks or a second and a third for Daniel Jones, like, yes, I'd want to take it if, if you don't think he's your guy long term. But it would give me pause because it's like, wow, other teams around the league that, that have their offensive line figured out want this guy. Why? But that's but that but that's just the nature of the NFL. And I, I do get what you mean. I get your point to that. But that's just the nature of the NFL, right? It's, it's why are people going to look at uh, Jordan Love has thrown 62 passes in his NFL career. He's completed 58 percent, has two touchdowns, three interceptions. The second that Aaron Rodgers chose to stay there and the second that you saw Russell Wilson go to Denver, it was, hey, teams are going to start to be interested in Jordan Love. It, 
depending on where you are, you're, you are more interested in taking a shot on a player because of what it could mean for you over one or two years. Daniel Jones, you don't know what it's going to look like because the team around him isn't going to be set. Even this year, the Giants are only going to be able to fix so many things. So if you don't think you're going to be successful this year, then you're going to get to the offseason and say, are we going to pay him 20 to $30 million? The Giants are on a timeline that needs to reset that position. And while Daniel Jones could be a top 15, top 20 quarterback in the NFL, if you're the New York football giants, you want to get back to a rookie deal, a fifth year option and a better prospect in next year's draft that you think could be a top 10 quarterback. So I, I, I just think that that's the weird nature. And we've talked about this before supply and demand, right? Why do, why are people convincing themselves right now that a Kenny Pickett or a Malik Willis or a strong or all these guys should be worthy of a, of a first round pick of a top 10 pick of a top 15 pick, because there's only so many players that are an elite level guy at the position and you keep taking your shots. And I think everybody else, Daniel Jones among them becomes this pool of players that, that the other 28 teams, 27 teams in the league say, We'll take a look. Maybe we can do better with him here than the team did prior to us. That's why That's why Mitch Trubisky is getting talked about and why the Giants maybe look at him and say, he's the guy that we can win with here for $15 million over the next three years, as opposed to Daniel Jones to similar or maybe slightly lesser or more or better results for 25 to $30 million a year. All those things play a factor. So let me ask you a question. Let's say sure. you have you have two options. You have Daniel Jones backed up by Tyrod Taylor. We continue on with about 10 to 12 extra million dollars in cap space. That's option one. Option two is we sign Mitch Trubisky for $15 million. We trade Daniel Jones for a third round pick. We have Davis Webb back him up. And that's how we go into, into, into next season. Which of those is your preference in how things would go? Because I think those are two realistic options for yeah. the Giants. And I'm yeah. curious, like, paying more to Mitch, even though we don't have the cat, but getting assets for Daniel Jones while he's going, like what, what in your head weighs more valuable to me, the asset piece of it is what matters. Uh, you know, I, I get having the, 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 the financial freedom to be able to go pursue someone obviously on the free agent market. And that could improve the offensive line in front of the giants, which by the way, quick footnote, we're going to pause on that free agent talk. We'll come right back in tomorrow and talk about some offensive linemen uh, that have been released here among them, Jonathan Feliciano from the Buffalo Bills. There's a handful of guys I want to talk about in price points that could help improve the Giants' offensive line. But I just think, you know, we talked about it with Saquon Barkley. There are symbolic players that represent the past regime under Dave Gettleman. Daniel Jones is one of them. Now, he plays the quarterback position, and you want to give him every opportunity. And it's why John Maris said, we've done everything to screw this kid up. It's why Joe Shane said, love the kid, love his attitude, love his approach. But when you hear that the Giants are interested in Mitch Trubisky at an increased price point, that tells you everything you need to know about how they feel about Daniel Jones. It doesn't mean that they don't think he can't play to a similar level as Mitch Trubisky, but it does tell you they don't think that he is the franchise quarterback going forward for the New York football Giants. And at that point, I go with Mitch Trubisky. I get the third round asset and you probably get a little something extra in the year to follow as well. I have Davis Webb and I start and I turn this over. And acknowledge next year, great dra draft crop of quarterbacks coming out. Let's find our guy. Let's develop him in our system and let's move forward. That, that, that's all been a part of what I've said all off season. And I wish Daniel Jones nothing but the best. And I wouldn't be surprised if he had a nice season for the Colts if he went there. Quality teams with good players and talent around them. 
It can work for a Daniel Jones. But do I think Daniel Jones is going to be a top 10 quarterback in the league no matter where he ends up? No, I don't. And that's the question that the Giants are trying to answer in-house right now. Well, Adam, it's interesting because at the end of the day, my friend, it is March 10th. Free agency opens March 16th. The reason why the Giants asked Sterling Shepard and Blake Martinez to take pay cuts, the reason why the Giants are fielding at least phone calls on James Bradbury at the moment is because we need to get all of these ducks in a row to know how much money we have. You have to be under the salary cap when the league season starts, and then you also have to be able to know who's going to be around and who's not before you start asking you know, these free agents if they want to come here or what, what deals would look like. That's the reason why I believe that, you know, I haven't had this source to confirm, but I believe the Giants gave a deadline of like tomorrow to Sterling Shepard and Blake Martinez to say, we need an answer either way. If you're not willing to take the pay cut, then we have to release you because we still have our business to run. We want you to be here, but we can't have this linger on. So for all Giant fans that are like, well, what's going to happen? You're going to get an answer on a lot of these internal pieces over the next 48 hours. And you're going to see them happen very quickly. Like it's going to happen like with a snap of a finger. You're going to know if Sterling Shepard, Blake Martinez, and James Bradbury are going to be on this roster, Adam. And by the way, this is what impacts the decision-making process, right? If you can get these pay cuts and you can open up more money without taking on dead cap, without having to trade talent away, then all of a sudden the team remains more talented for this year and going into next season. And the decision around Daniel Jones or Mitch Trubisky might look a little bit different. But if all of a sudden you're cutting players, you're picking up dead cap money, and you're still trying to figure out how you're going to improve the roster – that, that that influences which direction you go, veteran QB now or backup QB behind Daniel Jones for one more year. That, that The difference between having an Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, these top flight guys is you're not asking these questions of yourself. You're not weighing the different versions of what your QB position looks like. The Giants are very much doing that. There's a lot of different directions it can go. And to your point, we'll start to figure it out as these other pieces get into place here. And Joe Shane has a clearer picture of how much money can I spend and how much will I be able to improve in the short and long term for the New York football Giants? As I said, man, I've got a handful of offensive linemen that we want to get to. We will come back in, update any news or notes around this roster, and then get into the discussion on players like Morgan Moses, Matt Pryor, Jonathan Feliciano, Brian Allen, as well as Austin Corbett, two players off of the championship Los Angeles Rams. Until next time, though. As we always say, follow us on YouTube, get the podcast wherever you handle it, and hit the like button on YouTube if you can. We continue to see growing numbers. We want to keep trending in that direction. We appreciate all the comments and the support. Until next time, though, as Andy Makowitz would want, need, and may demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.